Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 30th and final day of September 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall. Oh, yeah, it's also the day when Big Brother's occupation government just might, we can all hope anyway, shut down. The question, will anybody even notice? Because let's be honest, most of the parts you'd most like to see shut down won't. Oh, they're vital, don't you know? But museums and national parks, well, you know the answer. They'll spend more money making a show of shutting them down than they would have spent on the national parks just leaving the gates open. But like so many of the other TLAs that you know won't get shut down, it's all about sending the right message. So let's start off our look back at the week with some of the other messages that were sent, for those with eyes to see. But I'll suggest that there really is a theme to most of the news this week, not just the destruction of the rule of law, but in particular, the bedrock upon which it rests, the idea of private property. Can you actually truly own anything? Do you even own your own body? Well, if you can't say no to somebody wanting to inject it with what might be a poison, the answer is no. And do you know what you call someone who can't own anything, including themselves? A slave. The founders wrote that there were certain self-evident truths upon which a rule of law needed to be based, like the fact that we have a creator, and it was he who gave us the right to life, liberty, and property, or the pursuit of happiness. Government's job was to protect those rights. The ultimate irony is that it's now become destructive of those ends, and has been working hard to destroy those rights, especially the right to own property. Big Brother's no longer trying to hide the Nazis they love nor the Communist Manifesto, which openly advocates the abolition of all private property. We saw one of the most high-profile, egregious examples of that just this week, and I'll come back to that in a few more minutes. But we've got to set things up with that reference from Communist Canada, where Justin Trudeau and his troop of totalitarians actually came right out and did it over the weekend. They invited an open, no doubt about it, real Nazi to the parliament, where he received multiple standing ovations, and then they tried to turn around later on and say, oh no, you didn't see what you all know you just saw. We'll even expunge it from the official record. Journalist Matt Taibbi, who actually leans quite a bit left, but certainly does know more about history than, say, your average member of Canadian Parliament, Prime Minister, or Communist Chinese Party puppet president, nailed it when he wrote the following. Now let me get this straight. A year and a half ago, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Ahum Castro Trudeau, I put that in there, denounced a Jewish member of Parliament named Melissa Lanceman for standing with, quote, people who wave swastikas. Lanceman had criticized Trudeau for fanning, quote, the flames of an unjustified national emergency in response to the Freedom Convoy trucker protest. The swastikas Trudeau referenced so vilely were, even as Snopes conceded, and that tells you a whole lot, folks, virtually all pictured on signs as a way of mocking and protesting the Canadian government restrictions. So, by saying that Lanceman stood with people who waved swastikas, in other words, Trudeau really meant she was standing with people who call me a Nazi. And for that, he declined to apologize. But this week, notes Taibbi, both Trudeau and the House of Commons Speaker Anthony Rota are under fire after that latter man invited and Trudeau applauded a 98-year-old former soldier from the 14th Waffen-SS Grenadier Division named Yaroslav Hunka to attend an address by the Ukrainian puppet president Volodymyr Zelensky. 
most famous for begging for money to start World War III and, of course, playing the piano with his penis. Rota praised Hanka as a Canadian hero for his time fighting the Soviets in World War II, on the wrong side, of course. Not that it matters, says Taibbi, that they were allies to both the U.S. and Canada. It was truly a cringeworthy moment, he says. But after the subsequent outcry and a pitiful, not-quite-apology from Trudeau, in which he made reference to the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, he went on to push back against what he called, say it with me, folks, Russia, Russia, Russian propaganda. Oh, and of course, the new buzzword, disinformation. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Now, in fairness, most of the Canadian Parliament is obviously completely oblivious, downright ignorant, of law and economics and evidently history, especially World War II history. They don't seem to know that the then-Soviets fought on the Allied side. That would include Canada, by the way. And a 98-year-old Waffen-SS veteran, who just happened to be on the wrong side, and almost certainly committed a whole bunch of war crimes before being welcomed, like so many other Nazis were, to North America, among other places. Well, he's not a good guy. He is, in fact, an actual, bona fide, card-carrying, real Nazi. And I guess maybe you have to forgive him, because they see all these other Nazis today, younger kids that call themselves Antifa, that are about as fascist as it gets, unless, of course, he actually served in the SS. So they're ignorant and proud of it. But um, arguably, Justin Trudeau and the Canadian Parliament really ought to know better. Especially when it comes to subtleties, like how is their brand of communism different from Hitler's fascism? As for rank-and-file Canadians, and that matter, rank-and-file Americans, well, they're going to find out the hard way that those differences aren't as dramatic as they might think. But they're not anything remotely like democracy, or especially the form of government the United States actually once was supposed to have a constitutional republic. If you can keep it, warned Franklin, and obviously he was right. Now, from here, folks, we've got to go on to one of the biggest stories of the year, and one of those stories that not only says the United States as a constitutional republic is dead and buried, stick a fork in it, but so is the entire concept of private property, and what used to be called property ownership. It was one of those planks of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. From that Declaration of Independence thing that's no longer even allowed to be taught in the public cesspools. And honestly, folks, I'm really surprised this story isn't getting more coverage, especially from the alternative press. The waste stream just wants to gloat. They don't even understand the concept. Kind of like the Canadian Parliament, they don't have a clue what form of government we're really supposed to have and why it is that what we're talking about is not even really public-private partnership Nazism. It's outright communism. Let's start with the Associated Press coverage that says this. A judge, and I'll add petty tyrant and wannabe megalomaniac, ruled on Tuesday that Donald Trump, listen to this, committed fraud for years while building the real estate empire that catapulted him to fame and allowed him to run for the White House while he ordered some of the former president's companies removed from his control and dissolved. How's that for a takings? Arthur Angeron, ruling in a civil lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General and Soros sycophant Letitia James, supposedly found, and interestingly, folks, they didn't actually have a trial, he just found it somewhere, that Trump and his company deceived banks, insurers, and others, even though none of them felt deceived, they didn't have a problem, the loans were paid back, and there weren't any lawsuits on those scores, you might note. Anyway, they were allegedly deceived, even though they seemed to have been happy with the deal, got paid back, made money, and so forth. Because they say, and proof doesn't seem to matter, much less a real court of law, that he massively overvalued his assets and exaggerated his net worth on paperwork used in making deals and securing loans. 
And as a result, he ordered that some, if not all, of Trump's businesses, especially those in New York, and that's most of them, and his licenses even, be rescinded as punishment, making it difficult or outright impossible, which is the clear intent, for them to even do business in New York, or for that matter, any of the places that New York contracts are honored. And he said he would continue to have an independent monitor. In other words, one of their puppets oversee Trump organization operations. Folks, they have taken over Trump's empire and literally stripped him of ownership and control. I guess that'll teach anybody that's not a communist Chinese puppet. You'd better not even think about running for president, right? If not successfully appealed, the AP admits, the order would strip Trump of his authority to make strategic and financial decisions over some of his key properties in that state and a whole lot of others. And they don't say it, but everybody else who's paying attention will. And it sure as hell sends a message, doesn't it? This is no longer a free country. Your property is no longer your own. And if we don't like what you're doing, what you're saying, or even what you're thinking, we'll just come and take it. And what are you going to do about it? <laughs> take us to court? In a series of statements, Trump called it un-American, arguably a big understatement, and said it was part of an ongoing plot to damage his campaign, gee, do you think, to return to the White House. But maybe you could argue it might teach him that he never should have allowed the election to be stolen in the first place. Obviously, it's a whole lot harder to reverse a communist revolution once they've been given time to dig in. In one of those statements, Trump said, quote, My civil rights have been violated, and some appellate court, whether federal or state, must reverse this horrible un-American decision, he said on Truth Social, and insisted that his company had, quote, done a magnificent job for New York State and done business perfectly, calling it a very sad day, and this is the understatement, for New York State and its system of just us. He didn't spell it right. And this tidbit from the Associated Press coverage, folks, is telling Manhattan prosecutors, and we already know that's a pretty corrupt bunch, so what does that say? Had looked into trying to bring those criminal charges over the very same conduct, but declined to do so, leaving the hatchet woman, Letitia James, in the lurch. Evidently, she had to shop it around before she came up with this scumbag, backed into the AP quote, before she was able to sue Trump and seek penalties that aim, obviously, clearly, and even the AP sees this, to disrupt his and his family's ability to do business, run for office, or even live in a one's free country. Here's a tidbit from the New York Post coverage of the story that kind of tells you just how far this sham has gone. During the Wednesday hearing, Trump lawyer Christopher Kyes asked the criminal engeron, quote, certain of the entities, physical entities like Trump Tower or 40 Wall Street, is the court under the assumption that those assets would be sold, unquote, in other words, sold outright, folks, or as he put it, just be managed under what they laughably call a moderator. You ready for the response? The judge said, quote, I'm not prepared to make a ruling, unquote. But I guess that means he and his grandiose godlike wisdom will decide. And you're not going to have anything to say about it. And neither does anybody else that thinks they own property in a country where property rights are right up there with your God-given right to keep and bear arms or have freedom of speech, assembly, or worship. Good grief. Continues the AP story. In Jerron's ruling, in the phrase of the case known as a summary judgment, and how's that for a non-sequitur? It's right up there with military intelligence and jumbo shrimp. Well, says AP, that resolves the key point in James's lawsuit, but others remain. He'll have to decide on those, and whether just taking his businesses is enough. They've got another quarter billion dollars in penalty in the trial, sick, scheduled to start October 2nd. 
Trump's lawyers, though, in appealing for a summary judgment on the other side of the coin, had asked that judge to simply throw out the case, arguing there wasn't any evidence that the public, which is what was supposed to be at issue, was harmed by Trump's actions. Obviously, the people involved in the deals aren't claiming they were harmed. But evidently, and I guess we'd have to say obviously at this point, so far as Letitia James and all of those others who hate Trump even more than the now dead and buried constitutional republic and who've now taken Trump derangement syndrome to a whole new level, seem to believe that the people of New York are harmed just because Trump is still drawing breath. And that seems to go for all of you MAGA types, deplorables, and anybody else that still believes there is a constitution for these once United States. Trump's lawyers, though, still seem to believe that the court was supposed to pay attention to arguments and evidence. For example, they even argued that many of the allegations in the lawsuit were simply barred by the statute of limitations. But as you can guess, folks, little trivialities like statutes, rules, law, the idea of evidence, and even the concept of due process seem to be passé in Letitia's litigious New York. No doubt about it, this would have once been called a circus, but it's no longer funny, and it's way past the point of being entertaining. It's now deadly. And how bad was it? Well, the judge even fined five of Trump's defense lawyers 7500 bucks each just because he didn't like them or what they were arguing before him. He called their arguments frivolous because anything that the almighty state doesn't want to hear is clearly frivolous, not to mention probably disinformation. And now that they've taken off the gloves, you're going to see what they're going to do about that. For his part, the last actually elected president in a run-on paragraph, admittedly, had things like this to say. Calling the judge, and this is probably an understatement, deranged, and the corrupt prosecutor, and he puts it in quotes, Letitia James, who ran for office based on her Get Trump platform before even knowing anything about me. Well, he said, today's action is a refutation of my status as the leading candidate for president of the United States, including with a substantial lead over Joe Biden. And that's true, folks, and it even includes polls that are obviously clearly and repeatedly slanted towards giving Biden a huge advantage. Still, though, the senile guy can't even come within 10 points. And that says the real landslide is going to be one for the record books. And that scares the you-know-what out of them, because ultimately, how transparently do they have to rig this next election? Well, answer, look what they got away with already. Who are we kidding? Back to Trump. He says it's a terrible reminder that the radical left Democrats will stop at nothing in trying to prevent me and the American people from winning the 2024 presidential election. And that is another understatement. Regardless of party, he said we can't let this happen in the United States of America. And as my lead in the polls over Joe Biden continues to skyrocket, these corrupt and highly political prosecutors and judges are getting more and more desperate and dangerous. We are rapidly, he said, and this is another understatement, folks, because it's a done deal, becoming a communist country. My civil rights have been taken away from me. The New York State Attorney General went before a highly politicized Democrat judge who refused to allow the case to go to the commercial division where it belonged and simply ruled, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that I committed fraud, which he said is both ridiculous and untrue. And this, folks, is telling he says, as an example, this Democrat operative valued Mar-a-Lago, the most spectacular and valuable property in Palm Beach, Florida, to be worth as little as 18 million bucks, when in actuality, it's probably, he said, worth as much as 100 times that amount. He hated me and everything about me at a level that I've never seen before, even beyond, says the president, a level of hatred that I saw displayed by Letitia James. There was no trial, no jury, for the supposed wrongdoing of... And he put this in all caps, fully paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest, with no defaults and with no victims. 
These banks, he said, were represented by the largest, most sophisticated law firms in the country. And, and I think this is also an understatement, this is Democrat political lawfare on a witch hunt at a level this country's never seen before. That part is undeniable. With the possible exception of what they did in that witch hunt against Alex Jones, but arguably, folks, that, in fact, was a trial run for this. If they can do this to me, he says, they can and uh, I would add, they will, and they have been doing it, folks, to you. And that really is the key. So I'll begin with a look back at a totalitarian practice that's been around at this point for decades called civil asset forfeiture. And in particular, there's even an older term. It dates back to the pagan Middle Ages, and it's called Deodan. When Big Brother does it, you can literally call it theft. And ironically, what we're seeing is we have now reached a point in a communist society where property rights are no rights at all. Kind of like your right to be free of illegal search and seizure, your right to freedom of speech and assembly, and to worship anything other than the almighty state, or petition that same government for a redress of grievances, or forget trying to keep and bear arms. So, to set the stage, here's some information from a show I did on September the 29th of 2011, almost a dozen years ago to the day, having to do with, among other things, the concept of civil asset forfeiture and that idiotic, anti-constitutional, but legal, supposedly, justification for it called Deodan. And I started with a look at Article 5 of the Bill of Rights, a.k.a. the Fifth Amendment. Some folks know the beginning of it. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on presentment of a grand jury. Uh, nor shall any person be, this is the double jeopardy clause, be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Okay, we, we've heard that. Probably still doesn't apply because we know of so many cases where people are now put in double jeopardy all the time. If they don't win the case at one level, Big Brother will try a different way and come after you. And yeah, folks, we've seen that a lot lately, haven't we? Nor will people be deprived of, quote, life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Well, that's just practically a laugh. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that in the next couple of minutes. And, hmm, this one's interesting. Nor shall private property, do we still have such a thing? Private property? Nor shall private property, whatever Humpty Dumpty means, be taken for public use without just compensation. You're supposed to be paid, and you're actually supposed to get due process of law in the process. Wow, that's a novel concept. That was once called the Takings Clause, by the way, back when it used to apply. So let's next talk about that other thing. It's, a, uh, it's an important aspect of Big Brother's tyrannical control over its sheeple, property, serfs, peons. And yes, slaves now. It's property is the key word, though. You see, property doesn't have rights. People who are property don't have rights either. And here's a story that first came out in September 2011 from Mark Nesman at Lou Rockwell. It's about civil forfeiture. He says this, after some historic background, up until the mid-1980s, revenues from what were called civil forfeitures, basically these had to do with goods that arrived uh, through the nation's ports, generally via the ocean back in uh, the old days. And if they were essentially guilty of not paying the import duties, then the customs officials could confiscate the ship and its cargo. But in the mid-1980s, things began to change, and changed dramatically. Because prior to that time, virtually all civil forfeitures were vehicles or boats used to smuggle contraband across borders. But in 1984, Congress enacted a tough anti-drug law, part of the War on Freedom. So am I sarcastic about the, uh, the so-called drug laws? You bet. They were part of the way that we got into this mess. 
If you'll think back, you'll remember that there was a time called prohibition. Alcohol, in order to be prohibited, required a constitutional amendment to be passed. And then an enabling piece of legislation, the infamous Volstead Act, came into being. And after that, we had Chicago and Gangland and Al Capone and all the wonderful things that grew out of the ability to take something which was legal, make it illegal, and then sell it anyway if you had the right connections, criminal or otherwise. Eventually, that particular horrible mistake was remedied by repealing the 18th Amendment and striking down prohibition. And then a funny thing happened, of course. The mobs that had sprung into existence stayed, and the next time the government decided it wanted to try prohibition, it didn't bother with amending the Constitution. Well, here's the problem. The so-called tough-on-drugs law from 1984 greatly enhanced what are called these civil forfeiture provisions. I'm going to tie these loose ends together here because I'm going to suggest to you folks that if you believe drug law is about a prohibition of drugs... Yeah, to put it in modern terms, you probably think the 2020 election was fair and the poison poke is safe and effective. The drug problem is far worse now than it was before drugs were illegal. Just like the alcohol problem was worse during prohibition, along with the crime that came with it, than it was before. So this new anti-drug law permitted state, local, and federal agencies to keep all the booty, all of the property that they confiscated as a result of this so-called law. Or they could sell it to generate revenue. You've seen it. Property auctions. It's in your local paper. It's on the web. Congress also decreed that the government was entitled not only to the proceeds of the drug trafficking itself, but to all property that happened to be derived from or that they could even claim was derived from, connected to, or facilitated a drug-related offense. Wow. Talk about a blank check and a great way to cash it. Is it any wonder that the war on drugs and the war on private property sprung together and have grown to such epidemic levels? It's too darn profitable to turn around. That's such a great mechanism for control. Two years later, however, Congress decided that was good, but not good enough, and they enacted a strict anti-money laundering law. Now, by 1986, of course, we didn't really even have honest money anymore either, according to the Constitution, so it's no surprise that this particular law would yet accelerate the downward spiral. So that act authorized civil forfeiture of all property that was related to the proceeds of, involved in, or facilitated any specified unlawful activity. You see what happened? We start out by taking things that there's no constitutional power to do at all and prohibit them whether it's alcohol or drugs. And let's not forget guns. There is no crime of possession in free people. And then we took and created a war on those things, and then later on found that the results of that war were so profitable in terms of control and money and all kinds of other wonderful things that resulted in a whole cottage industry of protected crimes and licensed criminals, that they expanded the act and said, this is working so well, we're going to let anything, not just drugs, that we want be stolen. Oh, well, we'll call it civil forfeiture for about any reason we want if we call it a civil or regulatory infraction. Violations of nearly 400 federal laws and tens of thousands of state or local laws, says the piece here, are now considered specified unlawful activity, and Big Brother can steal your stuff. I mean, for crying out loud, just go to an airport. Carry a perfectly wonderful pocket knife or a pair of clippers or scissors. That'll be stolen from you. You know that. Well, that's okay. Yeah, no, Mark, you can't be. Well, no. 
It didn't used to be stolen, and it's being stolen today. Think about what's changed. Are you safer because you don't have a pair of fingernail clippers in your pocket? Well, yeah, the guy next to me doesn't have fingernail clippers either. Oh, so both of you could die from a hangnail. I mean, this is silly, folks. The legal theory behind civil forfeiture, and by the way, it's not a theory, it's a lie. It's called Deodan. It literally comes out of pagan medieval practices that said inanimate objects can be guilty of a crime. And what these practitioners of basically forbidden worship would do is to say, oh, this, uh, this act was committed by this knife. Not by the person holding the knife, but by the knife. So I will, I'll hurt the knife. I'll punish the knife. Or the club. Or now the cash. All kinds of silly stuff. Look it up in Black's Law Dictionary, by the way, if you'd like. The concept is the property is accused of a crime. Now, does the property have the right to face its accuser in a court of law? To be uh, prevented from being a witness against itself? Or does the property have the right not to be deprived of life, liberty, or property itself? Without due process of law? Well, no. Hey, it's a great scam and avoids all those protections of that pesky Bill of Rights thing. But it's good to see how it's being done, and we'll pick it up right there when we get back. Stay with us. second segment of the show for this evening. I am your host, Mark Call, and we're talking about something this evening that's admittedly a bit difficult to wrap your head around because it's so far-reaching, and uh, that's no doubt part of the reason that the waste stream has ignored it, because as far as they're concerned, there's only one goal here. The ends justify the means, as you know. The goal is to destroy, kill, eliminate, and more than anything, prevent any return to the Constitution or rule of law, or even for those people that think Donald Trump is the savior of anybody even attempting to pretend like we might move in that direction. This is more serious, in other words, than I think most Americans have yet come to terms with. That's part of the reason why I started with a look further back in time to see what's happened to this entire concept of private property. And uh, I mentioned the, uh, the idea of Deo Dan, which is a Middle Ages pagan-based thing, will accuse the property of a crime because, hey, property uh, then doesn't have rights, doesn't have a right to face its accuser or any of those once constitutionally protected rights. Well, that's one pillar, bang, smashed down. Another one I've talked about on this show many, many times, and that is, if you think about it, look in the Constitution and ask yourself how many types of property are mentioned. Specifically, there's really only one. In general, there are certain things that says that your person's houses, papers, and effects can't be searched or seized without a twaint, old-time concept that used to be called a warrant. Well, hell, we don't need that anymore. They haven't bothered with warrants for most part for a long time. And um, 
here's the question I've asked. If they start by saying shall not be infringed doesn't mean squat, right? There is one piece of property about which that is said. Cannot be infringed, shall not be infringed. The federal government, no government has any authority whatsoever to take away a real person's right to defend themselves against what? The very government that was supposed to abide by those um, covenants, that constitution thing, the state constitutions as well, the Bill of Rights and so forth, that they have ignored. So when, in fact, they violate those things, well, you have a right to speak about it. Oops, not anymore. You also had a right to defend yourself by physical force if necessary when the time came. And, of course, once they eliminate the other rights, guess what? That time is rapidly here. So start by saying, well, shall not be infringed doesn't mean squat. We're going to start with the one property about which it is said shall not be infringed. Once we can infringe the hell out of that, take it away, fold, spindle, mutilate, regulate it, well, what right do you have left? Answer, nothing. What property do you have left? Well, if we can do it to the one property that's so protected, what can't we do it to? Well, we're seeing all of that play out, and that's another pillar destroyed. Uh, there are some really interesting aspects to this. I want to just mention one or two other things before we uh, delve into those in a bit more detail. One has to do with the irony and the hypocrisy here. Think about this. So what you have is this communist, and that's the term I'm going to use. We may, if we have time, talk a little bit about how this has gone even beyond fascism. Fascism is a public private partnership. And uh, what is the public-private partner? Well, it's the corporate entities, Big Brother's favored corporate uh, organizations, things that are, in fact, creations of the state. Well, when it comes to communism, since the state makes the rules, the state uh, giveth life and the state can take away, it's no longer fascism if the state says, hey, you corporate entities, we can destroy you at our whim. Now, there's, uh, uh, which leads us to the irony part of this. Ask yourself, Donald Trump was accused of what? Fraud. What was the fraud? Well, uh, he inflated his assets. He said they were worth more than uh, Big Brother and his uh, anointed God, who says what truth is, says they are. This is one of the things that I saw in the New York Post, for example, about the story. Uh, real estate insiders are baffled. They're bewildered. They can't believe it. The judge said that Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate was worth a mere 18 million bucks. That's part of his claim. Trump inflated his assets. Whereas any of them say, well, it would have listed for 300 million bucks or so. So clearly the judge is lying. Is that fraud? Well, not when the judge does it. He is the rule of law. We don't need evidence. We don't need facts. We don't have to care about statutes of limitation or anything else. The judge is simply God. His rule, his word, is law. And by the way, he dissolves corporate entities created by states. When We don't need due process. He just does it. So I'm, I'm looking at a couple of things. I mentioned this irony thing. Well, think about this for a second. We have, arguably, folks, the biggest fraud in human history, certainly the biggest fraud in modern history, and arguably the biggest genocide in human history, certainly in modern history, without a doubt. I'm referring to the not-vaccine. They even lie about what it is. How's that for fraud? They say, uh, we don't have any choice. We're going to force you to take it. Uh, so much for your right to bodily autonomy, um, your right to say no, uh, my body, my choice, to hell with all of that. No, we're going to rule. But wait a minute, suppose we're lying, suppose it's really not going to be safe and effective. Suppose we lied about the facts, covered those up. Suppose there are corporate entities, in other words, that have committed 
Millions, no, tens, no, hundreds of millions of non-voluntary injections that were conducted by, at minimum, right, fraud. They lied about something. It'll protect you. You won't be able to transmit it. Oh, no, you're going to need two, three, five, eight, twenty-seven. No, and it still won't work, and it might destroy your immune system, too. Anyway, you slice it, folks. This is the biggest fraud in human history, and it has killed millions. Guaranteed, millions. And it may, before it's over... We'll see how that plays out as uh, the death rates continue to inflate, as people's immune systems continue to be destroyed and weakened. Hundreds of millions? Billions? But ask yourself, if you're going to go after a company or a corporation or an entity that commits massive fraud, uh, would it be one that inflates its asset value by saying that a $300 million building is worth $300 million as opposed to what the judge says? Uh, no. Uh, as a matter of fact, you could make the case, and I would say Trump has made it, that uh, there is not a single person, not one, who was actually harmed by any of this so-called fraud. Notice that all the banks and the entities that Trump made deals with, paid interest to, they made out okay. They got their money back. They're not complaining. There were no lawsuits from them. So who does this? The people of New York have sued Trump in the name of Letitia James. Uh, what does she care? Answer, they want Trump dead. People of New York, they want them dead too. Otherwise, they would have not approved the fraud of the vaccine, and they wouldn't have called it a vaccine and changed the definition. So isn't it ironic? The biggest fraud in history, they're not going after that one. They're not committing corporate death watch and saying, hey, because uh, Moderna, because Pfizer, BioNTech, because you uh, corporate big pharma entities, you lied about the effectiveness of the alternatives because you needed an EUA, You, um, along with Fauci and others. You deep-sixed ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and so forth. Here's, by the way, a quick headline. I won't do the story because you already know it. Uh, Fauci, Walensky, and the U.S. government all knew, this is a piece from uh, Lance D. Johnson, that the COVID jabs were causing myocarditis, pericarditis, heart failure, strokes, clots in early 2021. But they hid that from the public. Well, wait a minute. Are they corporate entities or are they just above the law? Is that fraud? No, it's genocide. But... Uh, it's a subtlety, right? Uh, this is the kind of thing, folks, where I think if people simply ask the question, what is going on here? You probably should get angry. Because in the name of this so-called fraud, they have attempted to destroy, well, an election. They could care less about an election because we got an election to rig. And uh, tr arguably Trump's biggest failure was um, not having followed through. He said the election was rigged. He had the power at one point to do something about it. He let that slide, and now it's going to get him killed, and it's already killed the United States, the military, and it's going to get worse. Back to the story here, and uh, let me just uh, pick up a couple of, uh, of threads and kind of follow them through. Where does all this lead? Fraud. Who decides? Well, we don't have to have evidence. The judge actually made a summary judgment, and there's, uh, there's no need to prove anything. Uh, they ignored statutes of limitations. They ignored all kinds of things in order to make this happen. They even ignored precedent. Let me read one or two more items from this New York Post follow-up. Uh, What's going to happen? Will this stop Trump from doing business in New York? Well, or for that matter, anywhere. Because the, uh, once the, uh, the skeleton is removed, as some of the lawyers called it, the rest of the business enterprise falls down. Trump will not only be able to uh, not conduct business in New York, but maybe not anywhere. Some said that's kind of like a, um, um, an organ that people can't live without. A heart, a vital organ. 
the LLCs are going to cease to exist. Why? Because the judge declared that the business certificates and other incorporations and so forth associated with all this federal and state paperwork, this is, in this case, it's New York paperwork for the most part, it just ceased to exist by judicial decree. Business certificates, says the post, are issued by the state to prove a company's validity and their use for business transactions. They're kind of like, says the post, they're kind of like a birth certificate is for a person, right? Without a birth certificate, folks, you don't exist. You don't have a soul. What matters is your piece of paper from Big Brother. And if he takes and throws your birth certificate away, you're a non-person, non-entity. Can you still do business? Can you still buy or sell? Huh. Well, we'll talk about that. I think some of these pieces, these dots, ought to start to be connecting in your mind at this point. Anyway, a former financial crimes persecutor, prosecutor named Dana Florence told the Post that when the judge canceled these business certificates, it was like he was given a death certificate. And what we saw was a corporate death penalty. Now think about that. Trump is alleged to have committed fraud. But those that actually did commit fraud and have killed hundreds of millions of people and profited to the tune of what? A few million bucks? A billion bucks? Like they're talking with billionaire Trump? No. Hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of bucks. I guess that's enough money to buy judges, isn't it? Folks, again, all the pieces here, the level of hypocrisy isn't just outstanding. It demonstrates that we have gone into an entirely new regime, pun intended. All right. Um, Another uh, lawyer here that they quote, Leitman Bailey, agreed, argued that canceling the LLCs is a huge deal for Trump and his companies, saying by dissolving the LLCs, in other words, by corporate, well, judicial decree, the property will be useless. He won't be able to sell these billions of dollars worth of buildings. He won't be able to do anything with them. Uh, He'll be in default on his loans. So he didn't default on his loans uh, at all, no. But now, thank you, big brother. Now he'll default on the loans. No buyer will be able to buy the property. No title insurance company would be able to insure it. Therefore, no sale could take place. Is this a rare ruling? Well, folks, I'll answer that. This is the first time in history of a once-free country anything even remotely like this has happened. Quote, all the legal experts that the New York Post spoke to agreed that uh, Engeron's ruling is nearly and maybe absolutely unheard of which accounts for the lack of clarity about how it will be implemented, because it's never been done before. Don't worry, they'll make it up as they go along, just like they have been. We don't need facts, we don't need precedent, we sure as hell don't need law. It's exceedingly rare, said Florence, judicial dissolution almost never happens. Instead, companies are allowed to pillar, uh, pillory, kill, commit massive fraud. Look at what Big Pharma has done. I mean, I, I compare this, and I ask you, think about it. When it comes to fraud, folks, hell, you can steal elections. You can build machines that miscount votes and put them in column B instead of column uh, T and uh, get away with that. Last year, the attorney general of New York lost his bid, to have, or its bid, to have the National Rifle Association, another corporate entity, dissolved because um, so the execs could live large. That case is still ongoing. But it's the only thing that comes close, and isn't it funny? They hate the NRA almost, no, not quite as much as they hate Trump. Only a few decisions have ever been issued on whether New York courts have the right to revoke business certificates based on violations of the civil fraud law, which is not what actually has been proven. It's just what the uh, so-called judge here decreed by ruling. 
Okay, none of these cases, though, said the lawyer fit the profile of Trump. Quote, nothing like this has ever happened before in the history of New York, said Leapman Bailey of Engeron's ruling. So, again, the point I want to make here is, folks, we are seeing something that's not only unprecedented, but if we put these pieces together and connect the dots, what we are seeing is from the Second Amendment, take that one piece of property that shall not be infringed and fringe the hell out of it. How about your... Um, your boat, your car, your home, your plane, your cash, anything. Answer, we'll charge the property with a crime. That's another way to get at it. Nowadays, no, we've, we've gone a step further. We'll just simply dissolve entities that we don't like. Now, they can rule the roost, all right? Corporations essentially run most of the federal government. They get subsidies and they have eternal life. Except, of course, if they belong to somebody that commits thought crimes, in which case they are immediately died. That's a, an active verb. They were, they are died. They are deceased. They are uh, put to death. They are made to go away. Dissolve was one of the terms I saw in, in this uh, case here that was being used. So what I'm going to suggest, folks, is think about this, understand it. At the point where there is no property right anymore in the United States, where are we? We've seen it, okay? Do you have a right to your own body? Well, hell no. Big Brother can say we're going to search it. We don't need a stinking warrant. You don't have a right to be free from illegal search and seizure in your person's houses, papers, and effects. You can't even say no to a lethal injection. You can't say no to having your kids taken away by the state of California and having their genitalia cut off. Do you have any private property rights? Well, you do have one. Yeah, you can still kill a baby, and if you don't like it, they'll fly you to a state where that's okay, and they'll do it for you, even subsidize people. Do we see the common thread? The common thread is death. It's death to those that serve another God, the God that actually wrote the book and knows what truth is, and the rest of them, uh, those are the ones that serve a God who defines truth. And let me say it again, the one who gets to decide what is true, look what we saw with the UN most recently, and the uh, uh, attempts to say, oh, there is disinformation. What's disinformation? Anything that the Ministry of Truth says we don't like. The one who gets to decide what is truth plays God. And that's essentially what this entire battle is about. The judge doesn't need facts. He doesn't need evidence. He doesn't even need to think about the law. They just make it up. They decree. They make things go away. And the more we see the pieces and ask ourselves the question, well, can I be protected by a corporation? Right? That's what the uh, the whore church has been led to believe. The 501c3 protects the whore church from Big Brother. No, it doesn't. It just allows Big Brother to say, I've got some strings attached here. If you don't like it, I'll destroy you. I'll take your buildings. Because that's all a church is anyway, right? After all, who do you serve? Well, you serve the state of Delaware, the incorporating agency. I guess if you um, if you sign up to worship at the altar of that other god, maybe a lot of these things, when they happen, who are you going to complain to? Well, as a matter of fact, the Bible already tells us that. It says, when you put your trust in this other God and he messes with you, you go to him. Because you, you're not, don't come running to me and looking for, for me to say, uh, here's the problem. You've already decided who you serve. Yeshua says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. Well, guess what, folks? A lot of people are realizing they should have hated the fake master all along. Now, I mentioned one or two other things, and as we uh, as we try to connect some of the dots today here, I, I have to explore just a minute or two this concept. Uh, remember, fascism, 
Uh, that's the uh, form of government that um, if you are a, um, a real fascist and you fight uh, the Soviets in World War II and live to, uh, to be a fascist and a Nazi that goes to, say, Canada in this case, you can go to Parliament and they'll applaud you, give you multiple standing ovations. Well, at least up until they decide, oops, we need to disappear that, change the very facts themselves from the record. But what's fascism? Well, fascism, by definition, is, well, it's a form of tyranny. It's one of those isms that has to do with despotism and control over the peons, the people. But ultimately, it's a public-private partnership. It's essentially, uh, the, if you think about what is, uh, what is public law, like the Bill of Rights, it says, the federal government, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof doesn't say about your corporate entity. They, they can say, well, on this property, you don't have a right to freedom of assembly or worship. And it's our property. We've been chartered by the almighty state, given eternal life. You don't have a right to keep and bear arms on our private but uh, corporate property for one of many examples. So what happens is that in a public-private partnership, it's a great dodge for the rule of law. A, a, a public entity, like let's say a baseball team, and I've talked about this before, that gets public subsidies. The um, the Colorado Rockies, the uh, the Denver cops would patrol the ball games, take care of things for them. They got tax breaks. They got public land. They had all kinds of public bennies. But they were private when it came time to say, we want to search your bags. Because, see, you're here. We don't need a stinking warrant. This is private property you want to enter on. But it's public property when we get our subsidies. How's that for a public-private partnership? You can find... Now, hundreds, maybe thousands of examples. But what we've seen today is now the uh, uh, big brother government has pulled off the glove. Because ultimately, if you're a, a non-favored entity, in other words, if there are actual people that are um, committing thought crimes, like Trump, if they need dying corporately and corporately in the flesh even, well, we'll take care of that. Somehow or other, something is different. And what's different is the corporations have now said, no, 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 wait a second. Um, there's only one corporation that really matters. It's the federal corporation. By the way, Big Brother, the states, the central government, they are now incorporated. Who, who incorporated them? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not the creator of the universe. But that corporation is more powerful, it would seem, than um, Monsatan or Pfizer or Moderna or even some of the other big brother entities. Because when they run afoul of uh, big brother, well, they'll do what? They'll dissolve them. They'll take away their business certificates, revoke them, cancel them, dissolve the corporation. So it's about who is to be master. I guess what we're seeing here is we've moved beyond fascism to outright communism. And what am I saying? Okay, well, remember, uh, the... Um, the isms and the is, the fascists and the, the status of various ilk, uh, the modern monetary theorists, they'll argue about nuances in uh, how it is that they run their tyranny. Who owns the means of production? Well, ultimately, does it really matter if it's a big brother corporation or a big brother almighty state? Hint, George Carlin had it, right? It's a great big club and you ain't in it. So what I'm suggesting is we have now moved beyond the place where it's fair to call the U.S. government uh, and, and its public-private partners a fascist forthright. It has gone to outright communism because ultimately, as we saw with Trump, when it's necessary, they will revoke the uh, very life, the lifeblood, the birth certificate. They'll give a death certificate to an entity that thought it had eternal life. 
So again, on 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 multiple fronts, I, I find this fascinating. And the trouble is, you almost can't even begin to talk about all the aspects of what we're seeing now revealed here. The Bible tells us there come a time when those things that are hidden are being revealed. Oh, it's being revealed so fast and so furiously, pun intended, that uh, people can't even quite wrap their heads around it. But what we're seeing is, yeah, the gloves are off, and private property, which literally was one of the bedrocks of that Declaration of Independence thing. The founders thought that uh, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness sounded a little bit more poetic than the uh, life, liberty, and property that was originally used and was talked about in some of the other documents of the founding era. But um, ultimately, life and liberty cannot exist without property. Why do I say that? Well, folks, if you don't own your own body, you're a slave by definition. If you can't own the fruits of your labors, if you can't say, I've worked, now I choose to eat. I have worked and I have put food on the table for my family. No, no, you can't have property. We're going to take that food, confiscate it. The Biden Fuhrer, and before him the Obama Fuhrer, but we're talking the same uh, entity, basically issued executive orders saying we can steal anything we want from the American peons. Their homes, their automobiles, their food, their wealth, you name it. Why? Because of what we've been talking about this entire show. All of these pillars that once formed the rule of law, the very basis of life, and the ability of people to say, it's my life, and it's my body, and it's my children, and it's my home, and I will run it in accord with my God, and the way I want to worship, and the way that I choose to live. No, none of that exists anymore. It is all all of it at this point been completely done away with. And the only thing that's left, as they say, is the shooting and the shouting. And that, I think, is the, the concern that I have and the thing I want to make people aware of. Thomas Jefferson famously used to say, uh, once upon a time wrote that uh, the tree of liberty must from time to time be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. He actually thought that an occasional revolution was a good thing because if it went on too long, like this one has, then ultimately what happens is it gets to be a whole lot of bloodshed. And we approach something that looks a lot more like a French revolution than an American revolution. Honestly, folks, as long as I've been doing this radio show, I've been talking about aspects of all of those things. But I think what we're seeing this week, if we pay attention, is a whole new level of in your face, the gloves are off. We are not only uh, beyond fascism. Uh, we are outright communists. You do not have a right to own anything. We can dissolve your corporate entities. We can take any of the paperwork that you thought showed that you owned this piece of property or this car or this airplane or this uh, whatever it might be. It's ours. We'll take it. You're nothing but a slave. And at this point, I've got to harken back and note that the founders had it right. The rule of law and the concept of property are being destroyed because we don't recognize who and where they came from. But we'd better. So let me be blunt about where we're at. If we're going to be slaves, would it be better to be a slave to an honest master and a good God? A bondservant of the Most High, in other words, as Paul and a lot of the others that wrote some of those books that uh, aren't allowed in the public schools anymore said. Would we rather be a slave to the one true creator of the universe who has promised us all kinds of wonderful blessings? Or, well, the satanic host, the prince of this world, who the Bible says comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, and who has himself shown throughout history that he and those who so clearly serve him simply cannot be trusted? Big Brother doesn't want you to choose, unless it's death, but the creator says, choose life, and it's about time. 